Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Each day, I pray for strength to continue running this race well. With my eyes set on glory, but discouragement gnawing away at my hopefulness, like a cold breeze finding exposed ankles on a winter day. I'll admit that my feet nearly slipped. My steps nearly went astray. I was intrigued by the counterfeit gospel this world has to offer. It had me asking questions like, why did granny become sick? Carrying the weight of three generations after her, she used her tongue to lift up prayers toward heaven, while the wicked used their mouths to paint murals of malice and mockery from bodies that are healthy and strong. They appear to prosper, adorning 24 karat pride as their necklace and name brand violence as their clothes. Yet the righteous weep, clutching the small crucifix around their necks. In soaked sackcloth, they ask if they washed their hands in innocence for nothing. It's only when I took off my rose-colored glasses and lay at the altar surrounded by stained glass saturating God's sanctuary. Did my confusion and frustration birth a sense of perspective? The longer I sat in God's presence, the more the gold overlay of the world's false gospel began to tarnish. And I recognized God as my only portion forever. So that's where you'll find me, waiting for forever to begin, waiting for rivers that dance until their banks overflow with peace, waiting for the saints to be led to springs of living water, drowning in an overflow of love. The names of hunger and thirst forgotten, but bellies filled with the sweet taste of joy, reminding me of milk and honey from Canaan. Waiting for the beak of a mockingbird to loop endless vinyls of traditional hymns my grandmother used to sing. Waiting for the day she will once again sing. 
Amen. As you're taking your seats, we are in uh, week two of our series on heaven. Uh, tagline of the sermon series is just hold on, we're going home. We are going to make it home. And last week we sung this line, uh, this, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout. That's right, victory. And I like that line because it captures the takeaway from our message today, which is this, hopefully it's over here, heaven won't be a boring place, it will be a joyful place. Heaven won't be a boring place, it's going to be a place of joy, and it's because of what we're going to be doing. See, when we're in heaven, we're, I heard Pastor Yogi say this, this week, we're not going to be floating on a cloud eating bagels and cream cheese. That's not what's going to be going on. We are going to be active. We are going to be busy. We're going to be blessing others and being blessed. We're not just going to be sitting around. We're going to be doing some things. Here's the first thing we're going to do. We will meet the entire family. In heaven, we will meet the entire family. It says, there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language with which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They cried out, salvation belongs to our God. What you see here is that God's family is a diverse family. That God is saving a beautiful mix of people. And this is why racism has no place and is never all right in the local church, in our city, in our family. Not at all. Right? God doesn't practice discrimination and neither should we. Not at all, not at any time. There's no place for that. James Lawson said this, at the heart of racism is the idea that a man is not a man, that a person is not a person. Racism makes people feel small. Racism misrepresents God. And wherever we see it, we are to wisely step in to stop it. And here's the, the crucial part, without sinning. We step in and say something, but we aren't to go over into the realm of sin. And some people in our culture are advocating that, that it's okay somehow, that if you're trying to stop something like that, that it's okay when you do something sinful. It's not. We have to be wise in how we go about it. We'll be with family. It won't be boring. It will be joyful. Listen to me. You're going to meet new friends. Do you know how many people you don't know right now that are in your family? You're going to meet new friends. You're going to eat food. Probably not going to put on any weight from eating it. You're going to rest. I'm hoping for that. You're going to laugh. You're going to tell stories. Think about, you're going to learn. In heaven, you're going to still learn and grow. You're going to learn about God. You're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about other people. You're going to work, learn about the unique ways God has worked in people's lives to save and transform. They're still learning and growing to be done. People in the family of God are not all the same, but I want you to notice that they're united in one thing. They say in the text, it, it, was, in, it was there before, that salvation belongs to our God. Do you see that? They're not the same, but they're united around doctrine and theology that only God can save. And our culture needs to hear that. That salvation, oh, we cannot save ourselves. Only God can do that. They're united around that. We will meet new family. But here's, 
Here's a word of encouragement also. You will be reunited with family. New family, but you're going to see old family. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, The Lord will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we are all, we are who are all still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. There's this reuniting that is going to happen. Beecher Hicks wrote this in this book called Preaching Through the Storm. He says, for the cemetery uh, seems to be the end. For some, the cemetery seems to be the end, the final chapter. But I'm confident that there is for those who claim the eternal, that, that have faith in Jesus Christ in their lives, there is an outlet. I am sure of it, for, for he has promised it. One day we will meet those whom we now miss. And we will, shall see him face to face. God gives you this word that from some of you who have, you have lost family members who believe and are trusting in Christ. Some of you, because we live in a broken world, will lose family members who are believing. But here's the word to encourage you. You're going to see them again. You're going to hold and hug them. You're going to be reunited. There will be joy in that moment. See old family be reunited with, meet new family. This next one, we will work effectively. We'll work effectively. It says the Lord took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work and to watch over it. What you got to notice here is that work comes before the fall. This is Genesis 2. The fall is in Genesis 3. So what God is trying to tell you here is work is a good thing. And in a redeemed garden, we will work and Martin Luther said this about work. This is important. Every occupation has its own honor before God. Ordinary work is a divine vocation or calling. In our daily work, no matter how important or mundane, we serve God by serving the neighbor. And we also participate in God's ongoing providence for the human race. I want you to know today, you might not have your dream job, but your work matters. Your work is making a difference in people's lives because God is using it. And sometimes we look at the things other people get to do and we're like, I wish I could do that. But just be faithful with where God has you because he is using you there. It matters. It's serving God's purposes and promises in the world. His good providence is working through you. And so you got to understand, you are making a difference. And sometimes we wonder about that. The answer is, Yes, through your work. And now you're like, what if I don't have a job? Well, your job is to look for a job. Right? Somebody say amen. amen. And you're like, what if I don't like my job? Be faithful. Trust the Lord. Right? Be faithful where he has you. He's working through you. And you're like, what if I'm a student? Your job is to be a good student, amen? And then you're like, but Marv, what if I'm retired? We're saying, don't rub it in. <laughs> you're, you're experiencing a little bit of heaven. We'll get there too, in some ways. Work is a good thing, but here's the thing. Like a, like a metal baseball bat, work can be hard. Don't we know that? Work can be, here's why, Genesis 3. He said to the man, because you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. 
The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns for you. Work is tough. Work is difficult. Work is hard because of sin. Because, because our first parents disobeyed God. They thought I, they could do things themselves, and now it's difficult. And so sometimes now in our work, there's unexpected results, right? Notice it says it'll, you're working, but it'll produce thorns. You're not getting the thing that you're going for. Sometimes in our work, there's real disappointment. Sometimes in our work, there's unreasonable expectations. I bet some of you have bosses like that, right? It's okay. Just don't leave me up here unreasonable expectations. There's frustration and confusion. But here's what I want you to know. It will not be like that forever. And if you're a boss, I'm looking at you, Sam, be a good boss. I said, you're smiling at me. If you smile, I'm getting you. Right? It will not be hard forever. There is a day coming where it will be effective. What you will do will produce. I don't know what God's going to give you to do, but you're going to have something to do. Again, you're not going to just be floating on a cloud eating cream cheese. You're going to be working. And it's going to produce beautiful results. And it's going to bless the members of the family. And there is going to be joy. You're going to work. We're going to work effectively. Here's this next one. We will be rewarded. In heaven, we will be rewarded. We're going to be rewarded for living a disciplined life. It says, now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like the one who runs aimlessly or box like the one beating the air. Instead, you see it? I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. Reward for living with discipline. This is great motivation to stay disciplined. Many of us are disciplined, but we need to stay disciplined when it comes to paying bills, right? Paying your bills on time, doing what you're responsible to do. When it comes to eating, here's the time. This is the season where there's lots of temptation to overeat, right? Right? You come to, you come to my family Christmas, sometimes I'm laying like on my stomach, my mom's like, you ate too much. Mm-hmm. We need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined when it comes to fitness. How about how we use our words? How we talk to one another? How we talk about one another? Discipline that way. Discipline when it comes to our spiritual growth. You're not going to grow in Christ by just the, body, the Bible just kind of oozing into your, your brain, you know, on the table beside you. No, you got to open it up. You got to put in that work. You got you to labor. Make every effort to grow in Christ. We need to be disciplined that way. Some days it's hard. You're tired. You think, I, I, I'd rather do something else. But no, if you want to grow in Christ, you got to discipline the body. you got to say, no, this is necessary. How about it when it comes to our spending and our saving? Again, I'm trying to preach in the context that we're in. This is a time where all kinds of people overspend. They put money to things that they want or people in their life want but don't really need. And so I'm not saying not to be generous, not to think about ways that you can give gifts to people in your life. That's fine. That's all good. But don't go overboard. Don't go beyond what is truly within your means. 
Be disciplined that way and save, right? Put some away. A guy who mentored me said one time that if you work and spend it all, you actually never put any, anything away, you never paid yourself. You, you, never, you saved nothing. You just worked to, to give it away, to give it away. We need to be disciplined that way in our spending and our saving. We're also gonna be rewarded for being solid ministers of the gospel. 2 Timothy 4.8. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Some of us need to just hear that. Just hold on to the faith. I've kept the faith. I know this is an up and down time. And that it's tempting to give up on the faith. But he says, I've kept the faith. Watch this. And there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness that he will give me on that day. And not only me, but to all those who loved his appearing. Paul here, when you read 2 Timothy, what you notice that this, this, is a, this is a brother who gave himself to the work of the gospel. Fully, fully invested. All in on Jesus. And God blessed him. God rewarded him. And he will do the same for us as we give ourselves to the work. As we, as we settle in and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister the gospel. You're, everyone. Sometimes you guys look at me and you're like, and, and the other pastor's like, these guys are the ministers of the gospel and the deacons in our church. No, we're all ministers of the gospel. We all have different things to do. We all have a spiritual gift. We're all important, the scripture says, to the body and to the work. And so we give ourselves to the work. We serve. We serve one another. We disciple. Again, walk with people in our congregation. Help them grow in the Lord. We give to the work of the Lord, however that works out in your life. This is not a church where we try to press on you. You gotta give, 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 give. That's not gonna happen. You need to let the Holy Spirit guide you in that from the heart, not from compulsion. Eager, wanting to do it. Giving to the work. And there are different times in our life where we're not able to give. Don't feel guilty about that. that the Lord understands that. Right? You pray and ask the Lord to bring you to a spot where you are able to participate in that way. Just let the Spirit lead you. We share with one another. Remember that the early church, this is how they were. They shared their possessions so that nobody had need among them. We witness and talk to people about Jesus Christ. The Lord's also gonna reward elders for good shepherding. First Peter 5, 4 says, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you. Do you notice the, the phrase there? God's flock? Right, there's some preachers who pretend like it's their flock. And what the Bible teaches is that every pastor, every shepherd is a steward, that they're responsible for God's people and that they're gonna answer for the way that they shepherd the flock. Shepherd God's flock among you. And when the chief shepherd appears, do you see that? Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. When the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. God is going to reward elders who look after the flock, protect the people. One of the reasons why we're not all like, hey, we just want to get big and big and big for the sake of getting big is because, and we're not against bigness per se, but we want the church to be such a size that we know the people. That we can give a, a reasonable account. I want to be able to stand before Jesus and say, I know what has gone on in James's life. 
I have spent time with James. I have prayed for James. I want to know what's going on in Sabrina's life. I am, we are walking with the people. And again, we're not going to do it perfectly, but that is our heart. It's not just wanting a sea of people for the sake so we can feel nice. We want to know the flock to give an account. We want to look after God's people. He's going to reward elders who teach the flock, who guide them, who say, yes, you're over here right now, but truthfully, the word says you should be right here. Shepherd and guide who protects the flock. We don't just let anybody into our membership. We, we examine, we ask questions and make sure that they're where they should be. We are, he's going to reward elders who are patient with the people. We don't change overnight. We're all going to make mistakes. We need to be patient with one another. Again, stewards, not owners. God is going to reward us also for enduring trials and persecution. For enduring trials and persecution. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed, happy is the one who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the, un, the crown of life that God has prepared for those who love him. There's a crown coming. Revelation 2.10 says, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you. Here's this reminder that we have a real spiritual enemy working against us, trying very much to break us, trying to harm us. See why we need the fellowship, why we need the community to walk together? And you will experience affliction. But watch this, be faithful to the point of death. Hold on to your faith in the struggle and I will give you the crown of life. Walking with Jesus is not a cakewalk. It's not always easy. There are storms. Remember we talked about that. Storms come. God will get you through. We're gonna get to heaven. But the storms are gonna come. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm or going into a storm. But God will hold you. He's going to get us through. There'll be attacks from the enemy. You're going to be hated. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be excluded. Trust me, it's not all going to be love on six buzz. It's not. Some days it's going to be hard. But in the struggle, in the ups and downs, here's what I want you to know. The crown of life is coming to you. Okay? That didn't touch you the way it should have touched you. I tell you, I don't like when you leave me up here. I'm up here sweating and stuff. I didn't even bring my rag. Don't you leave me. I'm trying to put, I love you. So let me, talk to me. Give me some love back. When the struggle comes, remember the crown of life is coming on the other side. All right. It's okay to, I say it all the time. It's okay to talk. Right on the other side of heart, there's joy, not boredom, joy, eternal. Here's this last one. We will live with God and worship him. We will live with God and worship him. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. Do you see it? living us and God together in his presence. And, we, and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. No, notice that I just keep saying with them. 
dwelling place, God and man together, with them, with them. What's the Bible trying to tell you? You're going to see God face to face. And we will be, and, and he will be there, God. We're going to be together. What, what this is a picture is, is a picture of restored fellowship. Yes. Think about this. We talked about this last week. Adam and Eve cast out of the garden, sent away from the presence of God. And then Jesus Christ does the beautiful work of reconciling us to God and putting us on the journey back to the presence of our Father. And here you see the Bible promising that that is going to be your reality in the presence of God. I want you to know that this is what Satan tried to destroy. Right? He is a worker of division. He hates the beauty and the relationship that we have with God. He wants to destroy it. That is what he went after, ultimately in the garden. But the way I cannot stop winter from coming, even though I don't like winter, and the way you cannot stop the falls in Niagara, Satan cannot stop the redeeming work of God that he is doing in the world. We will be with our Father in his presence. He can do nothing to stop God. He is fighting a losing battle. Jesus is destroying his work. I said this before in the previous sermon. I'm saying it again because I like it. Jesus is like a young Mike Tyson, and all he's doing is giving body blows to Satan. He can do nothing to the work that God is doing. He is working powerfully. And rescuing people. I keep telling you, sometimes when things are tough, it's hard for us to have the proper perspective on what is really going on in the world. Yes, there's COVID. Yes, there's separation sometimes. Yes, there's division going on in the culture. But you got to know that God is still rescuing people from the kingdom of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of light. And Satan cannot stop the work. And we got to have a bigger picture sometimes. And when we get to heaven... We are going to see it. Your mind, my mind is going to get blown. I'm serious. Isn't there a bunch of people you want to talk to in heaven? I want to, honestly, Mary is one of, I want to meet Mary because her life, just like, you're going to go this way. Nope, we're going that way. And she's like, I'm a servant of the Lord. Seeing the beautiful work of God, we are going to see that. We're going to be together. And it's not going to be a boring time. I keep trying to tell you, it's going to be a joyful time. Watch this, Revelation. It says, there was a vast multitude from every nation. There again, this beautiful, diverse mix of people. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. What that tell you? They're ready for a party. Yes. Before the throne. And worship God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. There's a worship party going on and you're going to be in it. That is what is going to happen. A verse like this, what it does is it tells you that tears are temporary and that joy is our permanent reality. That's what we are going to. Joyful worship. And here's the thing. We get to do this now. I said this last week. You're going to a place of love. Start practicing love. You're going to do that for eternity. You're going to a place of worship. Start doing it now because that's what you're going to do for eternity. And now you're saying like, 
How do I worship God now? All right, I'll tell you. You do it. Here they come, three of them, by obeying him. Romans 12 says that when we obey God, that it's true worship. That this is our, that our, our bodies are being given over as a living sacrifice. The person who obeys God is humble. Because you're saying, I believe God knows better than me. I'm trusting my father over my life. The person who obeys God is wise. They're protecting themselves. And they're protecting the people that love and trust them. Trust me when I say this. Sin destroys relationships and brings you nothing but harm. When you choose to walk in obedience, you are being wise. We obey God, we worship God, sorry, by talking about him. Just lifting our voice, talking about God. You're like, okay, what do I say? If I'm gonna talk about God, what do I say? Well, you do this. You tell people that God is wise and that he gives wisdom for living. You tell people that God is strong and that he gives us strength for the grind, the daily struggles of life. You tell people that God is power and that he shows us and teaches us and gives us an example of how to rightly use power. We're in a world where people abuse power, but God teaches us to use power in a good way, to use it to serve, to use it to provide, to use it to protect the people in our life, to use it to advocate for those who are weaker, who don't have a lot of power, to use it the right way. You tell people that God is generous, that he gave us his son. That's what Christmas is all about. We know that. I'm preaching to the choir up here. That he gave us his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. You tell people that, that that is the God we serve. And then there's this last one. We do it by singing to him. We worship God by singing to him. You do this when you're walking. You do this in your car. I know a lot of you do this in the shower. Right? Sometimes Kim hears me, she's like, you didn't sound that good in there. Right? And sometimes you, got, you feel that. You're like, I'm, I'm not going to lift it up because I don't, I don't sound that good. I don't like the way I sound. What if, and then we're in these pews, we're a little bit tighter, Right? What if somebody hears me? I'm not going to lift it up. Well, Brother Jermaine said this in a sermon way back, so I'm going to say it to you. God wants you and told you to make a joyful noise. He did not tell you to make a perfect noise. And so what does that mean? He wants you to lift it up when we're together, when when you're doing your thing, lifting your voice and giving praise to God because he is worthy of it. And because as a church, we believe in applying the word, we believe in walking in the scriptures, we're going to stand right now and we're going to do that. So stand with me as I pray. And I want you to lift it up because your father delights and loves to hear your voice. Your voice is a sweet sound truthfully in his ear. And so don't hold back as we sing. God, we ask that you would help us. I pray, hold on as we wait for that time where we will be with you for all eternity. 
But in that moment, I, I, as we wait, I pray that we would worship you. I pray that we would know and believe that as we give ourselves to your work, that our labor, Lord God, will not be in vain, that there is a reward coming to us. I pray that you would help us to love the diverse family that you are saving and rescuing and bringing together even now to not advocate for sameness but unity around the core things. God, would you help us, I pray, to follow the example that you have set for us in terms of being hardworking and in being wise in the way we manage our life, in the way we manage ourselves, being disciplined, God, where we need to. We ask that you would help us as we lift our hearts and our eyes to heaven, as we lift our our voices and practice what we're going to do for eternity. Would it please you? And would it encourage the saints as we hear one another sing? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.